Hello and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for avgeeks and non-avgeeks alike. We continue to tackle everything happening in the aviation world in the time of COVID, and today we're going to talk about the exciting launch of Cranky Airlines. Uh, finally, an airline that I'll care about, maybe. Seems unlikely, but don't worry, Dave, because this is not real. Uh, remember how we told everyone who filled out the reader survey earlier this year that we'd pick a winner who could choose a podcast topic? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, and I think the random name uh, generator picked pretty well. Uh, tell the people what they won. Well, the winner is Nick. And Nick decided he wanted to hear about what I'd do if I started an airline. So we'll bring him in soon and talk about it. All right. Sounds like a plan. But first, let's do some trivia. Ah, you got it. The answer to last week's The Archive Trivia question is here. For those who don't recall, the question was, there is only one airline that operated the A380 but never flew the 747, either in passenger or cargo configuration. Name it. And once again, I assume you know the answer, Dave. Nope. Yeah, well, figures. But the answer is High Fly Malta. That's uh, that's an airline? I mean, kind of. It, it is. But it was also <laughs> the only airline to pick up the A380 on the used market. And it flew it for a while, just one airplane. And now it's done with that. Uh, but it never did fly the 747, best I can tell. So some may have guessed it would have been like Emirates or Etihad or uh, Qatar, but uh, those all have 747s either in their current or historical cargo fleets. So, you know, there's that. All right. Uh, we also want to thank BetterHelp for being a sponsor. BetterHelp provides professional counseling done securely online, and we'll talk more about that later in the show. Okay, Dave, are you ready? It's time to say hi, Dr. Nick. Uh, hi, Nick. You're a doctor? Uh, no, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I can be anything you want today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. And that includes being a Simpsons fan. Perfect. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Nick, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'll keep it brief. I am uh, an avid reader of the Cranky Fire blog, blog for about the last five years. Um, I work in aviation. I'm involved on the airport side. And a uh, little known fact, I used to live in Funabashi, the home of Godzilla. Wow. Well, this, and were you guys friends? <laughs> we hang out in different bars. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, well, this is, if you can get him on a future podcast, that would be great. Just let us know. Uh, yeah. That'd be a huge guest for us. I'll check, I'll, I'll yeah. check his schedule when he's not destroying parts of Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We understand he's very busy, but, uh, all right, let, let's get back to aviation land here. So, um, Nick, why don't you explain what you want us to cover today? Well, the initial idea was to ask. What would Cranky Airlines look like? Let's say a bank wants to invest a bunch of money into a startup, Cranky Airlines. Where would it be based? US, overseas? Would it fly domestic or international routes? What would it use as its hub airports? What would be the target market? The fleet choice? In-fly service? You know, things like that. Yeah, and, and my response was, quote, I'm a little too sane to start an airline. Yeah, Brett took the prompt and said, mm, never mind, uh, but are you uh, actually too sane to start an airline? I mean, yeah, 
pretty much. I don't think I would start an airline. I mean, I love commenting on them, and that's a lot easier. Uh, but I, I rarely find myself thinking I have an idea that would actually work. Uh, probably because most don't. Yeah, exactly. And uh, look, I've been on the other side. I know how these monstrous competitors respond. Uh, but hey, I am not a quitter. So, you know, I agreed we could talk through the types of things I'd be looking for uh, without actually committing uh, to a business model, I suppose. And I'm excited for it. Let's start with the first question. What would the business model be? Well, at least you start with an easy one. Uh, so, <laughs> let's uh, look, I think I'd just focus on convenience and fly it out of Dave's backyard. Yes. Long Beach to Milan, nonstop. Are we building an office on Lake Coma? Uh, no, no. It would most definitely not involve that in any way. But <laughs> but seriously, like the thing for me is you have to find a defensible strategy, right? I think that's a word. Defensible? Defendable? Defendable. It is now. We're going with the word. Uh, but if you look at the airlines that have survived in the last 20 years that started, uh, right, well, it's it's a pretty short list. Uh, but look at JetBlue. It's not the TVs that made that airline work. Though that was a very good marketing job. Very true. Uh, but, I mean, really, what made it work was the fact that it could corner a whole bunch of slots at JFK. It did this whole deal, and that meant it, it wouldn't have new competition sneaking in. It was brilliant. And then there's Virgin America, but uh, that only survived because it had an absurd amount of money chasing what was ultimately not a great strategy. Like, it, it always underperformed. Uh, but it got lucky in the end that two airlines got into a bidding war for what was effectively a way to grow in California's two most crowded airports. Okay, but uh, what about the ultra-low-cost airlines? Yeah, they, okay, so they've all done pretty well, for sure. And Allegiant is my favorite. Um, what was the defensible strategy there? Well, nobody cared <laughs> about Allegiant or what it was doing at all. Why not? Well, uh, so the other airlines didn't think these were markets that existed. Um, but they also didn't have the cost structure, e even if they did think it existed. So Allegiant got this idea. They took really cheap airplanes, and they only occasionally flew them in markets like Stockton or Fargo to Vegas just a couple days a week. Uh, the business grew and grew, but nobody was there to stop them or even care with so few flights that they couldn't really compete on. Then you have Spirit, right, which switched over and emulated the low-cost model that unbundled everything uh, as it existed in Europe. And that was a good plan, and it appealed to the price-sensitive traveler. Uh, Frontier, same kind of story. It stumbled through a bunch of iterations before it did uh, basically a similar model. And now we've got Breeze and Avello all focusing on low cost and low fares too. So it's it's pretty crowded. Um, but I do like what Avello is doing in New Haven uh, in Connecticut because that's a tiny airport with all kinds of constraints. So Avello picked up some airplanes that can work off the short runway and then basically took over the terminal. And uh, it, it's going to start up, you know, when others will have trouble getting in there. Uh, by the time the runway extension and the new terminal are done, it'll have already established itself. So it has this, uh, this, this nice built-in advantage. Hmm. So, so you think that there are too many ultra-low-cost carriers. But what about the other end of the market with the big hub airlines? Right. So that's, that's a tougher space, I think, because... The Americans and Uniteds of the world all make their best living with their networks. And they, they have these massive route maps that appeal to business travelers, and they get bigger and bigger with their alliance partners and then their huge loyalty programs. 
and they really dominate the business world with like two exceptions. Um, you know, if another airline can offer more convenience, like a nonstop or better frequency, which I mean, that's Southwest bread and butter in a lot of the midsize cities in the U.S. Or if they can just offer like a really low price for the price sensitive business traveler that's out there, um, then these airlines will lose out. But ultimately, the road warrior usually does better with one of the bigger guys, uh, though. I guess Southwest should be lumped into that group for domestic travel since they're as big as they are. And it's really hard to, to break into that market without just bulking up quickly. Uh, it, for example, take the granddaddy of them all, New York to London. Right? That, that's one of the most important business markets in the world. And back when I was in business school in the early 2000s, um, I actually did an internship building the business plan with the founder of uh, what eventually became EOS, and uh, you might not remember EOS, or do you, Nick? Anyone? Do you remember EOS? Yeah, I do. I think it was based at London Stansted, wasn't it? Well, they, yeah, they flew Stansted to uh, to JFK uh, was their their primary um, route, and um, you know the the idea was to provide this really solid experience, business class only, uh, New York to London at an affordable fare, and it, it wasn't cheap, but it was cheaper than premium cabins elsewhere, and it was just a really premium experience. Uh, and with the 757s that they used, it didn't have that many seats. So the idea was, okay, how could we skim off the top here and just get enough of these independent travelers to fill the planes and make money? Uh, I don't think it would shock anybody to uh, know that uh, I don't remember EOS, the uh, yeah. airline of the Bond villain. No, we weren't we weren't asking you, so don't worry. Uh, but, but at least uh, it sounds like it's a good idea. Maybe. It did sound like a good idea at the time. I mean, when I was working on it, I was thinking, hey, this is great. But it, it didn't work. And the big guys all made sure that nobody flew EOS, and they succeeded at squeezing the airline out. I mean, it didn't hurt that the big guys uh, were at Heathrow and the other guys were in Stansted. So. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't there when the airline flew, so I don't know the exact details. But it's just really hard to win in that world. This just sounds really depressing that really it's very hard to start an airline. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. I mean, you asked for it, though. <laughs> but hey, this seems like the perfect seg to talk about our sponsor. All right, Dave, let's talk about better help. That's better H.E.L.P., the world's largest counseling service. Yes. Uh, I know you had trouble with your therapist the first time around. How's the new one? Well, it's going swimmingly. In fact, I'm all fixed. Everything's good now. Uh, that seems unlikely. Yeah. Well, I'm a human, so... <laughs> Everyone can use counseling. Everyone can benefit from counseling. Uh, but uh, I will say I have discovered another feature about BetterHelp that I find really useful. And what's that? Worksheets. Big fan of worksheets, say? Eh? Uh, well, look, I've had therapists that have used worksheets before, um, but they're usually like badly copied pieces of paper that I always forget to bring with me. I, I feel like these are the only places where mimeographs still exist. <laughs> you probably don't even know that. I just remember that when I was a kid and you'd get it all over you. Anyway, but BetterHelp has it online. So my therapist had a worksheet that she thought would be helpful for me. So she sent it to me and it goes through the portal and you fill it out online and then you submit it back to her. Uh, yeah, mine did the same. And uh, I'm a big fan of the worksheet. See, and if you'd like to give it a try, 
BetterHelp is giving Cranky Talk listeners 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash cranky. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Uh, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash cranky for 10% off your first month. And we're back. So, Nick, uh, I've successfully avoided giving you an ideal base so far. Uh, any other questions I can evade? <laughs> Why are you crushing his hopes and dreams? I'm not trying to do that. I Listen, Dave, I saved that effort for you. I know. You don't need to bring the pain to somebody else. I will say that even though this is really the opposite of what I asked for, it's still pretty interesting. But uh, <laughs> you really can't think of anything? Well... I mean, I have some ideas, but they're mostly not good. Uh, for for example, I've always loved the idea of starting a little airline on Nantucket with my brother, but then that bastard Roy makes life miserable, so I decided it wasn't a good idea. Is this, uh, is this that show Wings? You can't prove that. And actually, I can't believe you even know that show. But seriously, though... <laughs> a reference uh, for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I did have a brainstorm about this with friends at one point. We actually uh, all flew to Vegas and just kind of like sat in a hotel room and tried to hammer out ideas. This was uh, just a a fun-filled adventure that Dave would have really enjoyed, I'm sure. No. Uh, But we we had this idea of uh, an Anchorage-based airline that could do for the Pacific what Iceland does for the Atlantic. Uh, allow smaller, low-cost airplanes to connect the U.S. with East Asia the way that, like, an Iceland Air connects the U.S. with Europe. Yeah, airlines like Iceland Air, and for a short period there, wow, they really did do that. I I like that idea. Well, yeah, I did too, but the problem is it doesn't work because the range isn't there. So if a 757 could fly from Anchorage to Japan, then maybe we're onto something, but it can't. So the distances are just too great over the Pacific, and... That kind of killed uh, any effort to look further into that plan. Um, you know, if I, if I think a lot smaller, then there are more ideas out there. Uh, the fact that there are so few aircraft under 65 seats these days makes me wonder if there is something that can work with smaller airplanes. Uh, the problem is that the era of like the 19 to 50 seat airplane is pretty much dead, except in a couple corners of the world. And nobody's even trying to develop an airplane in that category. So... Uh, my love of the old express jet business model, which was Southwest with smaller airplanes and smaller markets, just doesn't work the same. Granted, that's kind of what Breeze is trying right now, but that's with even bigger airplanes. Uh, but, you know, I'd, I'd love to find a way to to better serve smaller markets, but the answer might be on a bus like Landline is doing. So you can't use small airplanes, but do you have bigger airplanes that would be your go-to in a startup? So there... There's a trade-off there. Um, I mean, the temptation is to go with something that's cheap to acquire, just like Allegiant when they started their plan, and you know, the same thing that Breeze and Avello did too. Um, you know, if, if you can get the airplane for cheap, then you don't need to fly it that much. You can just sort of cherry pick the right times to fly, uh, but it'll end up being more expensive when you actually do operate and there'll be more maintenance work and you know all that kind of stuff. And, and that's not 100% the case, depending on how desperate the lessors are. Uh, you know, you, you might be able to find some airplanes for pretty cheap. Breeze and Avello did a really good job on that. Uh, but the other option is to go to the other end of the spectrum and do what Breeze is doing next, which is get a ton of super efficient airplanes. Why wouldn't you just do that? 
Super efficiency comes with super expensive. So now, you, you're def- now you're definitely making up words. Oh, yeah, 100%. I get the little <laughs> squiggly line in here on the script. It's, it's not happy. Uh, but, yeah, w- I mean, when you buy a brand new airplane with the newest technology, you have to fly those things really hard to earn money to turn a profit. So it depends on the model you end up choosing. Like when you look at Frontier or Spirit, they use new airplanes, but they fly those planes like crazy. And they have to have markets to put them in. If, if you don't have places to fly something on the middle of a Tuesday or Wednesday, then, uh, you know, that's going to be a lot tougher. Um, but it, so th- that airplane can drive the model. Like when you look at the original Breeze plan, so they're getting the A220, really efficient, smaller airplane that has amazing range. And that's the kind of airplane that can really disrupt the industry as long as the existing players can't compete with that. But once they all have that airplane, then the opportunity gets harder because they'll all just kind of sit on you and, and try and stop you. Hmm. So I think I'll finish with a question here that I think you'll probably have an answer for me. Um, uh-huh. You know, nothing about Brandon and things like that. Let's say you have an airline. What would the livery look like? Ah, all right. I will end your long day of suffering and give you a real answer, Nick. So first, I think there pretty clearly needs to be a jackass on the table. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> then I want stripes or something distinctive. Like I fully understand the livery doesn't really matter in the scheme of things to travelers. Um, you know, it, it should look professional, of course, in case someone sees it, uh, sees an airplane and thinks, well, what the hell is that? I'm not getting on that. But um, <laughs> what it really matters to is employees. And, but I want something that's not boring, but also not horribly cluttered. Uh, but the whole Euro white thing, like you look at an Air France, I mean, it, it's it, to be polite, it's not my cup of tea, but it's frankly just boring. Um, you know, I love what the airlines in the Pacific have done. Like you look at Hawaiian or Air Tahiti Nui, Fiji Airways, those are beautiful designs that are really kind of tapping into the heritage, the culture, the spirit of the company. And they, in my mind, don't overdo it. Though, admittedly, they, they do get close. <laughs> they they can be on the busier side. But something like that is what I would be doing. I want it to look cool like that. All right. I think Brett answered that question. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, well, this was uh, interesting. Uh, Brett didn't say a whole lot, even though I, you know, he, he, he did. Um, I so... don't even know what you're saying now. I didn't say a whole lot, but I did. Well, you said a lot of words. I don't know that you answered uh, a whole lot of Nick's questions, but uh, so you're let's saying I see. should go into politics? <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, let's see if we can squeeze something out of him, Nick. Uh, how about we do a rapid fire session of questions? Yeah, okay. uh, I'd like to start off with one. So, uh, what would you what would you name the aircraft in your fleet? Would you name it after, say, celebrities or animals or places? What would you name the aircraft? Oh. That's a that's an interesting question, because first of all, I like the fact that you didn't ask, will you name the aircraft? Because very clearly, airplanes are people, too, and they need names. Uh, so, you know, when when I think about that, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Um, I might name it after like uh, historical aviation figures. That might be fun. But on the other hand, I also do like the idea of naming them after like important cities in the network, you know, something that's just kind of fun for, for people that are flying the airplane. If they see it, then that's cool too. Uh, but yeah, um, that, that, 
there are a lot of different things you could name it. Otherwise, we could just name them all Dave. Oh, Dave one, Dave two, Dave three. Yeah, it'd be like George Foreman's kids. That would be my that would be my preference to name them all Dave. And everybody called Dave <laughs> would become your uh, your frequent flyers. Uh, <laughs> I you know what I have a better idea. We'll just name the Lavs after Dave. And they would have like royal endorsement, the Royal Dave Lavatory. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll dress it up. I'm with you. Um, I'll throw in another question as we got this. So, how would you board the aircraft? This is always a controversial subject, and there's many different ways. Uh, but what would be your boarding process for cranky airlines? Okay, I am a huge fan of the old Northwest boarding system, which was, "Hey, everyone, get on the airplane." <laughs> It, it like there's no everyone tries this right it's oh let's do it by rows let's do it by groups there was the old Wilma where you board the windows first then the middles and the aisle just let people on because then they randomize themselves um, so y you have to have assigned seats and you have to figure out how you're going to handle carry on bags because the only reason that anyone should ever care about getting on the airplane early is to make sure they have bin space so if you make sure you have enough bin space and I am not above charging for carry-on bags. I think that's a, a, a great way to limit bin space um, then uh, or to limit the amount of bin space you need. Uh, then, you know, people won't care to board as much. And you say, look, board at your leisure. The door is open. Come on in as you see fit. That's how I would do it. That'll piss off all the elite members of the Jackass uh, program. But um, I'm with you. So if I can ask the question about the Jackass program. Sure. Um, uh, Stelios, when he started EasyJet, he gave all his uh, frequent flyer business people a bottle of scotch every time they boarded to yeah. win them away from using British Airways. How would you win your uh, your business, your 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 high revenue business guys to fly cranky airlines? Yeah, so he stole that from uh, from Southwest, which did oh. that in the early days in a fight against uh, its it intra Texas rivals, where they said you can pay the the cheap fare that we're being killed with, or you can pay the uh, the full fare, and if you pay the full fare, we will give you a bottle of liquor. And as the story goes, uh, Southwest became the largest liquor distributor in the state of Texas for a time. So uh, that is very clearly a good idea, although considering the bad behavior we've seen on airplanes lately, I feel like that's not really the best plan these days. Um, but no, I look, I don't think you need to give people stuff. I know they like it. People like the recognition, but... Like I said, I'm probably not going to be building an airline that's going to be competing for these people that are really tied to the the networks um, of the big guys. And so I think you know what you give them is is you give them uh, something that's uh, that is maybe meaningful but not costly. Um, I'm going to finish with my uh, super last question here, and unless Dave's got any questions, but my last question is going to be: uh, Imagine a Tim Burton movie scenario. You could sprinkle dust on a grave of an airline and resurrect it instead of starting your own. Whose grave would you resurrect? Okay, can we do like alternate timelines? Because in my world, what we do is you bring you bring PSA back. Pacific Southwest Airlines here in, in California with the smile on the nose. PSA was the model for Southwest. They looked to them when they started in Texas and said, okay, this is how PSA is doing it in California. PSA was great. People loved PSA. They had frequent cheap flights and it, within California, and it was, it was a great airline. So I like the alternate timeline here where you resurrect PSA 
and PSA is the one that does what Southwest did and, uh, you know, wins, wins that, that battle to become the first true low cost airline. All right. Well, this is good. Uh, that was your last rapid fire, right? Yeah, unless uh, Dave's got any questions he wants to throw at you. I have no questions. Dave has no questions or answers. This is this is just wrong. But Nick, <laughs> thank you for joining us today. This was uh, this was fun to uh, you know really make me work hard to avoid giving you real answers. And uh, <laughs> but it was fun. And when Cranky Airlines starts, we'll we'll name a plane after you. That's great. Yeah. It'll be the Dave Nick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for everything. Answering my questions, Cranky. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Cranky Talk. We'll be back with more deep dives and helpful tips for these turbulent times. Before we go, thearchive.net is back with our third and final trivia question. Here it is. What was the original name of EOS before it started flying? While you're looking for the answer we suggest heading over to thearchive.net, an ab geek's paradise of timetables, route maps, photos, and so much more. Come back for our next episode to see if you got it right. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, let us know. Email us at advertise at crankyflyer.com. And please remember to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. This helps others find the podcast. If you have suggestions for what you'd like us to cover in a future show, let us know via email at info at crankyconcierge.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Cranky Concierge. If you're looking for the top daily airline news stories, you can subscribe to Cranky Daily at crankydaily.com. 